Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Maddie Martin on the line. Maddie, how are you? Great, Michael. How are you? Thanks for having uh, me. I am awesome. Thank you for being here. You do some amazing work in, in helping business owners and entrepreneurs and attorneys and a variety of different people with with help in, in what I like to call delegation, but there's a more fancier term to that. Uh, so I want you to share a little bit about you and, and this business that you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been with Smith AI for four years now. And uh, as a VP of marketing, I, I oversee all of our growth channels. And Smith AI is a 24-7 virtual receptionist and web chat service. So we started out on the phone, then we added in website chat services that are live staffed by our bilingual professionals. And then we added a chat bot that can operate independently. We have text answering and we have Facebook message answering as well. And I think what we really have found is that doing a lot more on each conversation, so to speak, uh, gets a lot more value for our business clients. So for example, not just answering, transferring, and taking a message, but really lead screening, um, outbound callbacks, juice form fills, uh, scheduling, taking payments if you charge for consultations or assessments, things like that where we can really uh, deliver on that first stage of the workflow for any new potential clients and then also making sure that existing clients get great service and responsiveness. Now, it's a very valuable service and it gets into what I like to call the weeds of the business where too many business owners that are in the early days and months and years of their business, they're still messing around with doing that kind of stuff instead of focusing their time on the things that only they can do. And, you know, back in my career, you know, before I launched this organization, you know, I was in healthcare, I was a healthcare executive, and I pretty much was doing everything. I wasn't delegating anything at all. And you know, that took a toll on me. And then once I recovered from uh, what happened, you know, the pendulum swung the other way, where basically anything that lands on my desk, I say, okay, who besides me could work on this? And if I come up with somebody, guess what? I'm going to delegate it to them. But there's a caveat in that is I have to make sure that I don't overwhelm somebody with all the work that I'm delegating. But in utilizing you know, something like your organization and the services they provide, that's not something you have to worry about. It's like, here's a task. They'll do it. it you know, they'll, they'll find resources to be able to do it to make sure that your business is seamlessly flowing. So again, you can focus as a leader, you know, whatever type of business you're in, you can focus on the things that only you can do and things that only you should do. A hundred percent. I couldn't have said it better myself. And I say this so often. I, I'm impressed, Michael. I mean, I, I will say this. Um, there is extensive burnout, especially right now, you know, and we're getting into mid 2021. I was going to say early and then I'd be wrong. The, the sort of situation that a lot of small business owners find themselves in is uh, sort of a roller coaster on this control dynamic ride, right? So what I mean is when you go out and you start your own business or even run a department, honestly, 
there is a lot of control that you exert to have things done your way. There is a reason why you are an entrepreneur, a business owner, even if it's been passed down through generations, uh, you understand that things are done your way a certain way. And that leads to people who may or may not have type A personalities finding themselves in a situation where they are exerting control at every level. They need to be the one who talks to the new lead because only they can make that sale. Only they can communicate the most compelling argument to get that new client to sign, whatever the case may be. That is dangerous on a number of levels. One, it's really not scalable. You only have so much time in your day. Uh, Two, it's often also corresponding to a lack of documentation. And that prevents you when you hit that point where you can't take on any more work and you're actually potentially harming the client experience, you're losing leads. There's tons of leaks in these lead funnels. And what happens is you get to the point where you've hit your tolerance. And then without the documentation, you have to stop, write everything down, start delegating. And that's more time that you spend until you get to the point where you can actually hand things off. And that delay is, I think, what stalls people from uh, actually finding success with delegation because we hire someone in a hurry. They're not the right person. They're not available. They don't live up to our excessive expectations in that moment of high stress where they're not really like our natural expectations. They're just pressured expectations. And as a result, you know, the uh, workload just accumulates and accumulates. You go through staff, you can't find people who are a good fit, but we have to turn inward and say, before we get to that point, how do we document the questions to ask a new lead to make sure that they're a good fit. What's the next step always in that process? Are you always asking for them to sign or commit or setting expectations for them on you know, what it looks like to work with your business so that someone else can not only take it over, but practice with you before they are fully responsible for that so that you're comfortable, they're comfortable, and you set your business up for success. That takes several months at least for a new employee. Now, the benefit when you work with Smith AI, for example, or any sort of service that is going to do um, a lot more than just basic answering, right? You have a massive team, hundreds of receptionists in this sort of distributed model where it's not just a little, you know, a couple people or a pod dedicated to you, but in our case, Um, unlimited, basically, as far as you're concerned as a small business owner, people who can answer, handle your processes, your workflows, align to your goals, right? Not just following a script, but actually with the end goal in mind, which is key, and we can talk about that. And then a manager to oversee it, right? And that's not you. It's an initial sort of onboarding process. And then the um, experience of I've got an account manager, I send things to that person and they manage the entire workflow. And that allows you to not only hand off the initial sort of training, but also the ongoing monitoring and management, which can be very time consuming and a blocker to get started as well. And one of the things that jumped out at me, and a lot of things that you said did, but one in particular that I see time and time again with business owners, doesn't matter if they're delegating well or not delegating at all, is 
they don't have a standard operating procedure on how they do business. They don't know what they're doing. They're, they're literally, everything's in here. So you know, if someone else had to come in and run their business, if they were incapacitated or went on vacation or whatever the case may be, they couldn't do it because they don't have it mapped out or documented. And it's an exercise that, yes, does take some time to do it, but I highly encourage everyone to do it before you even consider you know, delegating anything because what it does is it allows you to look and list all the things you're working on and it gives you that opportunity to say, okay, where of these things should I delegate? Majority, you should. I'm going to just go out there. So the majority of the work that a lot of business owners do, they should delegate. Uh, but secondly, there are things that we do that, quite frankly, is it moving the rock forward? Is it moving anything forward? Is it just busy work that's not adding any value to your clients or yourself or the business? And sometimes writing it all down and seeing they're like, that's not doing anything. I'm going to stop doing it completely. I'm not even going to delegate it. I'm just not going to do that. And it helps you fine tune your business because I know this, you know, and, and running my business as long as I have, there are things that I am not doing now that I did in the beginning. We all fumble around and, and figure things out, but there are things that I'm like, I'm not doing that, period. I'm just not, that's not part of what I do. Uh, it made sense at the time, but again, looking at everything else and that limited quantity called time. Uh, is definitely something you have to focus on. And once you get there and you have a better understanding and it's documented as best it can be, that's going to make your you know, assistants and organizations like yours be more successful in helping these clients because you have an understanding of, okay, what do you actually need? Because we often as executives will say, oh, I need this done and this done, but the communication isn't clear and all the things that are bouncing around in our head isn't on paper. So it's horrible to assume that you or your team would be able to pick up on those nuances and say, okay, I think they meant this. No one's going to make any type of assumption like that. So doing that exercise of documenting and getting everything mapped out first should be part of your business plan and in your existence anyway. And once you do that, then you can look at those areas and say, yeah, these are the things that I can easily or, I mean, for most people, it's not easy at first, but I could delegate to. And again, I encourage people to do just that. I, I love where you're going with this. And I will say, um, man, I have so many things to sort of comment on uh, based on what you just said. I will try and limit it to maybe three. So the first thing is it's also important to document because the sale of your business or the merge of your business with another one, potentially, if that's something that might be ever interesting to you, hinges upon you uh, not being the be all and end all of your business value. So if you have a standard operating procedure and if you have a well-documented process to continue the growth that you have built in your business, to continue to maintain that client value, to maintain your clients because there are processes there too, um, that will intrinsically build a ton of value if you ever were to sell or merge uh, your business, if you ever need funding, if you took um, sort of private or independent funding instead of a bank loan, et cetera, et cetera. So it's really important that you see that as a value add. It is IP, it is a competitive advantage, and it will be 
of value for anyone looking to uh, invest in your business or to work with you as a strategic uh, or invested partner. Now, the other thing that's critical, and you know, don't take this the wrong way, but you will find if you start to delegate that you weren't that important in a lot of ways. And what I mean there is that you are not the only person who can sell. And it actually might be the case that someone who has had a lot of sales experience and not your specific industry or career experience is better at it than you because they're allowed to focus and they have focused their career on that and they bring that to the table. You're bringing experts in who you plug in basically as specialists, right? Someone who's accountant, someone who is a receptionist, someone who is uh, customer service driven, someone who's a technician, let's say that you're in home services, HVAC. That is an area where you can hire someone who's great at that job. You run a car repair shop, hire a master mechanic, you know, there are ways to evaluate if they're good at their job. You hire them, they do that job. It's much the same way. So I would encourage you to think about some statistics around this. I'll share just one. Two out of three potential clients base their decision to hire a service-driven business on their initial responsiveness to their first call or email. So that means they are hiring the first business to respond, no matter how articulate or exceptionally well-versed you are in that conversation after you pick up the phone actually picking up the phone, actually getting back to that contact form fill is going to move the needle more than anything you say in that conversation in terms of influencing your business growth, which means get out of your way, right? Like there are so many other things that influence your business that only you can do, as you're saying, Michael, that cannot be handed off so easily. The strategic growth, who, who do you hire for that salesperson? Are they on brand, on tone? Can they carry that message into your community? That's critical for you to identify. Are they aligned with your company values? Great. Go and do that. You won't have time to do hiring, which we all know is extremely extremely time consuming. Um, If you are spending your whole time on the phone, because Maddie told you, don't ever let a call go to voicemail because the next person who picks up, even if your competitor is not as good as you, is going to get that business because they picked up. So critical sort of like, you know, uh, reality check moment to say, how important are you in that conversation if simply picking up is what's going to drive that business? I love these points because, again, a lot of entrepreneurs, when they launch the business, it's, it's you know, for those of us that have kids, you know, a lot of parents are like, well, you know, my kid is the best kid on the planet. Well, there's, you know, billions of kids and adults on the planet. So um, the pecking order of who, quote unquote, is the best is up for debate. But we treat our businesses often the same way where it's like, nobody else can do this. It's mine. But you mentioned something a few minutes ago, which was spot on is going back to the documentation real quick, documenting everything out and flowing it to the point where you can sell this business or have it be acquired, you know, whatever the case may be. If you have everything documented where it doesn't look like, okay, this business only exists because of this person, then you know that's going to limit the exposure or limit the you know, amount that you're going to be able to sell because, okay, it's like we buy this business. We don't necessarily want Michael around. All right. If Michael's not around, do we have a business? And if it, the answer is yes, we do, then that helps. If it's not, then again, that's something for you to look at because 
unless you have no plans to ever sell your business and you're just running it. And then when you pass away, it goes with you fine. If that's, if that's what you want, great. But most people don't, they're like, no, I'm doing this to build up something for revenue and set up my retirement and step away from it and all of that. And so when you do that, it's important for you to be able to um, take on those things. And, you know, again, the, the sales analogy is great. Um, I know for a fact that I am not the greatest salesperson. So when I am working on things, I know good salespeople and, you know, they've helped me out and guided me and, you know, helped close some businesses and things like that. And it, it just makes it so much better because that's what they're really good at. Now, having them fill out forms, they're not good at that. Uh, I know many salespeople that, you know, and some are good, but, you know, many of you, again, no offense at all, that's not where your skill set is and don't be ashamed of it. You know, a lot of people say, well, I'm going to get better at that. I'm like, actually get better at sales. It'll, it will, it'll make up for it. Yeah. yeah. You'll, make, you'll make the back office still mad at you, but you know what? The back office has their role in what they do. And it's like, look, yeah, that's great. But if this person isn't increasing our annual sales by 25% every year for the last five years, we wouldn't have what we have. So yes, I know going through these forms and all that, but that's something you're you're good at is to find those, you know, missing things and circle back with the customer and say, okay, what about this thing? Or ask the salesperson, you know, what did you give them? You know, you gave away the moon. No, no, we didn't. Some people look at that, but it's it's a fun dynamic that every office face. But at the end of the day, those salespeople get out there and they serve the clients and they serve the business and it makes such a big difference. So as an owner, unless you are a natural born salesperson or you're a salesperson by trade, you know, look at that, look at finding, you know, the right people to help you with that. It's going to take your business to a different level that you quite frankly, in my opinion, will never get to uh, because you're not the best salesperson in those situations. And I, and I know that, and it, it wasn't a humble lesson for me because I knew it. I, mean, I, I knew where my skill set was and I'm like, okay, I need to bring in somebody to help me move this forward. And it, you know, it's made a big, big difference uh, in, in things. And uh, you kick yourself and you say, well, I should have done it sooner, but I, I know I, sh you know, I, I wasn't ready for it. Business wasn't ready for it, but now it is. So it, it's again, you know, as with anything, you know, you, a child turns into a, you know, a toddler, a young adult, adult, same thing with businesses. You're in your early stages and then you, you move along. There's a, there's a great book that was written by Brian Smith. He's the, founder of UGG Australia, so UGG Boots, you know, in the U.S. and all of that stuff. And I just finished reading that book a couple of weeks ago. And each chapter talks about, you know, different stages of the business. And it was associated with like, you know, toddler, you know, young adult, you know, school, high school, college. And I love how he paired that up. And it makes so much sense in, in the birth of a business because it does take time. And, Learning what you're good at and, and delegating what you're not is going to make such a huge difference. I, I couldn't agree with you more again. And I'm just nodding my head constantly. I'm going to have like a neck pain. It's like, I just agree with you so much. There's you know something else that I'm thinking about in that uh, metaphor, which is their growing pains, right? And this is one of the growth spurts that creates some friction, some pain. And to be honest, with any sort of trade-off or where the opportunity cost lies here is in your time versus delegating it to someone else who's cheaper um, with 
with the same, you know, relatively same level of effectiveness when you're doing delegation properly, there are growing pains, you know, and there are some things that can be accounted for. And there are some things that you just have to understand that even if it's not accounted for, it's still less costly, so to speak, than you still doing it yourself. And that's the hurdle to get over. Like you can't wear those shorts anymore. Like now you're 5'10 and you're in ninth grade and you know, what fit you when you were in eighth grade, you know, doesn't fit you anymore. You have to get a new wardrobe, right? And this is part of that new wardrobe. And thankfully the, the CRM, the software, the calendaring programs, the receptionist service, chat solutions, social media monitoring tools, you name it, right? Even bench for accounting and things like that are really unbelievably affordable monthly costs. Like I remember a time when a lot of these business solutions were a huge bite out of your budget. And that is no longer the case. They have come way down relatively in cost, um, especially as right now we're seeing other things that have major inflation like groceries and gas. Um, you know, it actually seems even relatively cheaper to go get yourself uh, an executive assistant, a receptionist, a, a social media manager, right? Like these people provide a ton of value and they're often much cheaper and less intensive to bring on to your team, whether it's a, you know, sort of large service or just an individual who's sort of outsourced for you. One of the things also that I really want to highlight is that when you approach these new solution providers. And this is something I've learned from working at now three startups with, you know, very robust engineering teams. And I have had to learn the hard way not to tell the engineers what I want and what to do. So when you're writing a project brief at a you know, technology company, it's very easy to say, I want this thing to happen. Change this on the website or the product or to tell a design team do this, make it this color with this font, et cetera. That's what I saw that I like. The problem is you don't let the expert do their job and solve the problem for you. And they are the best ones to identify how to solve the problem. So one of the things that we see with delegation is I want you to do all these things. You tell the salesperson who you hired, like follow the script. If you hired a great salesperson, they should be able to understand your business, come up with their script that's going to feel genuine and effective coming out of their mouth. And it's much the same way with our services. You know, if you come to us and you say, do this, do this, do this, only schedule a consultation if they're willing to pay $500, let's say working with a law firm, right? And we get on the phone and there's a, you know, really well-qualified client based on all the criteria, but they won't pay the $500. And the client comes back to us and says, you know, what in, you know, God's name are you doing? Like you totally screwed up. You lost me this lead. I can't believe that you didn't schedule that consultation. And we say, look at your instructions right here. You know, it says don't schedule a consultation. We were following your orders. That's very risky. So when you delegate, give breathing room and set goals. Say, my goal is, is to bring in more clients. So if you find that there's a well-qualified client, you have my permission to color outside the lines. Maybe here's a 15-minute consultation that's free to tee up the value for booking that next one that's $500, right? Whatever the case may be. There are plenty of workarounds, but if you are very rigid, you will find and you will report that delegation doesn't work for you. I see it all the time. You fire the service. 
No one understands your business or can help you. It's terribly hard to find good help. Look, Microsoft is able to hire tens of hundreds of thousands. I mean, how many people work for Microsoft? My fiance works for Progressive, another huge company. They hire people and so can you, right? It's not that it's that hard to hire talent. It's that you have to set really good ground rules for them and then trust that they, whether they're in-house or outsourced, are going to do a good job for you. And that, you know, will be monitored over time. But having that goal in mind, telling the engineer your problem rather than the solution to deliver for you, those are two very different things. So lean into um, trust and to leveraging that expert that you've brought in as best as you can, because the biggest sort of uh, uh, issue that we see with delegation is overworking it to the point where you're really just holding a marionette. And that's not what delegation means. No, I love that. And it's, you know, trusting people that are quite frankly, better than you are at certain things. I'm not an engineer. I wouldn't uh, even begin to say, okay, please design it this way or this way, unless they ask me, okay, what color should I you know, go with and, you know, uh, they can, you know, give me all the analysis and say, we, we're, these colors tend to be a little bit more receptive in, in this type of work and the type of work you do. So, you know, go with it. And unless you're, you know, just hell bent on having a particular color, then so be it. But yeah, I, it's a case of when you delegate, that means let it go and let them do it. Focus on what is the end result, not how it's done. Because if you're focused on every step, you're micromanaging. And guess what? You're not going to grow your business. By letting go, letting the professionals do the work that they're good at, it's going to make so much better deliverables in everything that you do. So, Maddie, I've loved this conversation today. Where can people find out more about you, the organization, and all this awesome work you're doing? (laughs) Thanks, Michael. I had a great time talking with you. Uh, So, if you are interested in hiring or exploring how Smith AI can help you, uh, I really encourage that you visit our website, smith.ai, and uh, schedule a free 30-minute consultation with my team. Um, You can sign up immediately. You can get started in as little as a couple hours, but it's really helpful to have sort of that strategic conversation so that we can understand your goals and set you up for success and and, uh, steer you in the right direction with the various add-ons that we offer um, and whether or not we're going to be doing uh, both website chat or just call answering for you. So um, you can find us uh, online, all the social media channels that you love to uh, sort of visit. And then if you'd like to engage with me, I'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn, Maddie Martin, uh, M-A-D-D-Y, Martin. And uh, you can also call us and hear our receptionist or on our website, you can chat with us. But if you'd like to uh, hear us live, you can give a call 650-727-6484. And lastly, you will get $100 off your first month of calls and chats uh, with the code breakfast leadership. So please take advantage of that and uh, just tell us that Michael Levitt sent you and, and we'll know what you do. Awesome. And thank you so much for that uh, generous gift. And we'll definitely have that information in the show notes. So Maddie, thanks again. I've enjoyed the conversation as well. I'm a big believer in 
and the work that you do in, in helping organizations, you know, really narrow down what they work on and allowing, you know, all the thought leaders to do the things that only they should be doing. Because uh, as a society, we benefit from people doing great things. So you're, you're a big part of making that happen. So thanks again for being on the show. Thanks so much, Michael. Great to be here. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of The Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.